it's a fun story, uh, these Jacob Esau stories and the way that the narrative lectionary puts it together, we kind of get a sampling of different parts. And the way that Jacob and God end up relating to each other made me think about uh, friends. So I want you to think about, think about your friends for a second. People you end up spending time with, especially those whom you choose to spend time with. Why them? Have you ever looked around the group of friends you're with and just wonder, like, why am I with these people? Maybe you, you have a shared experience. Uh, maybe you have similar interests. Maybe you're at the same life stage. Maybe you see the world in pretty much the same way. Maybe you just happen to be on the same team, or you're in the same class, or maybe you work together. Maybe your kids do things together, or you shop at the grocery store at the same time, so you see each other in the vegetable section almost every week. Or maybe the people you spend time with, you choose to spend time with them because they're fun. As I think of different people in my life, it's funny how what we do or what we talk about ends up being pretty much the same every time I see them. You know, like with that guy, we always only ever talk about football. And with that woman, I almost always only ever talk about church. And then when I get together with that guy, we always reminisce about high school. Or when I'm with that guy, I laugh more than usual. And when I'm around that woman, I always feel like I'm walking around on eggshells. There's so many people in our lives that we relate to each and every day, and yet so very few of those people are people we, we do a variety of things with. Not only do you maybe go to your kids' games together, but you're also maybe uh, in a small group at church with them or maybe in another organization. It's an even smaller group of people that you might ask to come over to your house, share time in your home more than once in a blue moon, if ever. Those would be bona fide friends, especially the kind that you don't have to clean up for before they come over, like... Whoa, right? And maybe the mountaintop of friendship are people you take vacation with. Whoa. That's a big commitment, right? The most cherished recharge time that you have, you wouldn't pollute it with people you don't really like. There's many levels of intimacy when it comes to friendships. And so the question I had looking at this Jacob story or these Jacob stories I wonder among your friendships, how does God rate for you? In Jesus, God becomes one of us and not only gathers 12 disciples to witness all that he says and does, but toward the end of their time together, at least in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I do not call you servants any longer, that is simply followers, but I have called you friends. Jesus, the man who is God, who was there at creation, calls these very simple fishermen disciples full of imperfections friends. So I wonder, what kind of friendship do you have with God? Is it more like that friend you see once a week at the same place where you have to think, what is their name? <laughs> not to be seen again until you return to that place next week. Maybe over time you choose to share more times 
with God. Maybe you start to speak to God before you eat, before you sleep, maybe even in the car or when times are especially hard. Would you go on vacation with God? Or is it part of what makes vacation wonderful that you get, you get to be away from God for a week? Or was God a part of your summer? Would you live with God as a roommate? What's your friendship with God like? This story of Jacob that we heard tells us about what kind of friend God is. Last week we heard how Abraham obeys the Lord when he tells him to take his son, his only son, to the top of the mountain and sacrifice him. And just as Abraham is about to obey, the Lord stops him and provides a ram instead. Well, this week, poor Isaac again is put in a difficult position. Same guy that was almost sacrificed on the mountaintop by his dad, now he's an old man, blind. He wants to give his final blessing. And of course, that blessing would always go to his eldest son, in this case, Esau. His wife, Rebecca, though, and their second son, Jacob, conspire to steal this blessing away from Esau. Part of what makes this story kind of hard to understand is we can't appreciate in 2021 what this whole idea of blessing is about. Like, I bless my kids almost every night before they go to sleep. Just a simple, may the Lord bless you and keep you, put the sign of the cross on their head. But what Isaac is doing is different. This blessing is far greater. There's only one of these kinds of blessings to give in a lifetime, and with it, for Isaac, goes the promise that was made to Abraham that's now gone through Isaac and now should go through Esau, the eldest, except that Jacob and his mother have gone to great lengths to trick blind old Isaac into giving away this once-in-a-lifetime blessing. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may your brother's sons bow down to you. Now, it hadn't been that long since Jacob squeezed Esau's birthright out of him. You might know the story when Esau, he's really hungry. He's been working hard outside all day. Jacob, who'd been inside all day, cooking, making something very, that smelled very good, he says, you know, Esau, older brother, I'll give you this food if you give me your birthright, which would entitle Jacob to a greater inheritance, more prestige. It's a really big deal. And Esau says, fine, whatever. <laughs> I'm hungry. Give it to me. So now Jacob has gotten the birthright and the last blessing from their father. And not very surprisingly, Esau is to understate it, upset. So mad that he actually wants to kill his brother Jacob. So mommy dearest, Rebecca, again comes to Jacob and says, you better get out of here. Esau's coming after you. So Jacob flees. Jacob has tricked his dad, he's cheated his brother, and he's connived his way into getting whatever he wanted. For anybody who might think that the Bible is full of only heroic, good examples for the rest of us to try to emulate, you probably don't know much about Jacob or his dysfunctional family. The promise given to Abraham has landed on a deeply flawed human being, Jacob. 
God intends to bless the whole world through the descendants of Abraham. That was God's promise. But did God know that the promise was going to have to be kept through guys like this? We get our answer in Jacob's dream, this last part of what was read. He sees a ladder set upon the earth, and the angels of God are going up and down it. And the Lord stands beside Jacob in this dream and repeats the promise he'd made to Abraham, the same promise he'd made to Isaac. God says, know that I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go. What kind of friend is God? The kind who sticks with you through your worst, most embarrassing moments? most selfish, shameful moments, and every other wonderful moment. Many of us have done things or been a part of things after which we don't want to be around ourselves, much less be in the presence of anyone else, at least anyone else we have respect for. Jacob is fleeing his own brother after doing some pretty awful stuff, and yet God says, know that I am with you and will keep you. Are you with God? Do you keep God? Or is this a friendship to return to at your own pleasure? Wednesdays, when confirmation forces me, maybe I'll come back. Or maybe when life gets hard, I'll come back. Or when life is especially good, I'll come back and say thank you to God. Is your friendship with God as close, as developed as you'd like? Or are you, for whatever reason, keeping God at a distance? There are many ways to remember that God is with you, that you are being kept by God. Prayer might be the most obvious. Reading Scripture is another. Regular worship. Meeting in a small group, talking about the challenges of life and how to maybe faithfully respond instead of fearfully responding spending time in nature, and then giving thanks for it. There's lots of ways to narrow the distance that we create between ourselves and God. They're really just many forms of prayer. Some of us enjoy praying as we walk or as we doodle. However you intentionally spend time with God talking and listening, any kind of prayer puts us in God's presence and strengthens the friendship. Prayer is really a way of hanging out, being with, remembering that you are kept. The good news about this Jacob story is that if God can remain friends with the likes of Jacob, He must be willing to stick with any of us. The Bible doesn't tell us about a God who only shares time with ideal families, perfect people. We have a God who sticks with real families through real dysfunction. God found Jacob on the run and said, I won't leave you until I've kept all my promises to you. And in turn, Jacob starts to kind of get it. He's so struck by his experience with God that he doesn't really know what to do, how to mark this place and time. The very end of our text says that he takes a rock and he pours oil on it. (laughs) Kind of a kind of a strange response, but he just, he has experienced the holy and he feels like he has to do something in response and there's really nothing else around, so he just, 
He takes a rock, makes a, a little altar of it, and pours oil on it like, a, like some kind of offering, and then he names the place Bethel, which means house of God. That's how moved he is by this dream he's had. Does the way God befriends you move you to not know what to do with yourself? Has God's grace, love, and mercy, God's friendship ever really struck you with its true force? That's what we try to remind each other of each Wednesday and Sunday as we worship together. It's what Scripture lifts back up into our lives. It's what prayer lives can bring back, our memories of being touched by something greater than ourselves, being reminded that we are kept by God. Thanks be to God. Amen.